Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of CamCast. We've got episode four coming up. I uh, want to thank everyone that's been listening to the other three episodes in the catalog currently. Uh, I've been getting some real positive responses from all you guys and, you know, different feedback that you guys want to look forward in the future. And I'll definitely be hitting on some of that because I think there are some really good ideas coming out there. And that's kind of what I envisioned, you know, when I started, when I made this podcast is I want it to be more of a collaborative thing, you know. It's, you know, it's just me talking in front of the mic this whole time, but I want to get some input from uh, input from the people who are listening, so that way we can kind of make it a little bit more engaging for everyone out there. Uh, if you've listened to the other three and you think that they're great, then please like, subscribe to the podcast, uh, recommend it to your friends, recommend it to your parents, recommend it to your grandparents if they like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, you know, it's I'm just I want to start building the channel a lot more and you know getting more impact, getting more people involved and being able to do a lot more of the things that I want to do, like live shows and, you know, more dialogue between me and a couple of my friends and stuff like that. Um, for today's episode, we're going to be talking about the NBA restart, but specifically from a Los Angeles Lakers perspective, because, you know, I'm a obviously diehard Lakers fan. If you haven't gotten that so far, you get it now. So unapologetically, you're going to be getting a lot of Lakers info from me. So I'm going to break down everything that the Lakers are going to be doing this summer break down some of the things that have already happened that could impact the team moving forward, uh, break down uh, the schedule for the Lakers and how it compares to a couple of the other schedules, and I'm going to give you some of my predictions for the Lakers moving into the playoffs. All right, man, let's get going. All right, guys. Episode four here. Thank you again for joining in, and we're gonna go ahead and get right into it. The NBA season is back. We're starting this thing right now. Uh, if you were able to listen to episode two, I kind of gave you a breakdown on how the NBA was planning on doing things after it was approved by the players, it was approved by the owners, and it looks like it's still going. It looks like they're still gonna be going through with this, and it's gonna be starting in the end of July. Uh, so you know they're moving forward with it. Uh, the thing that's been kind of crazy is. Since the players all started to report to their team's uh, facilities last week, a lot of players have started to be tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, not a huge number of players, but, you know, just enough. And then also we've had a lot of guys who, you know, big-name players who have decided not to go back into uh, into the bubble and to start the re- uh, restart the season. Uh, one of those players, Victor Oladipo of the Indiana Pacers, he has decided to not play in the playoffs and not play in the remaining eight games of this uh, 2020 schedule. I mean, from his perspective, I definitely understand that. Uh, he had ju- he had that crazy injury last year, and he had just come back the last, like I don't know, month and a half of the season before it canceled. So I'm pretty sure you're just going to be rehabbing the whole time. And, uh, you know, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of things like that where people don't want to get injured. D- uh, Davis Bertrands, a guy from, uh, from the Washington Wizards who's going to have free agency after this season, he's not playing. He doesn't want to get injured and miss on his payday. I mean, I don't blame him. The guy's been averaging almost four threes per game. He's kind of a sharpshooter right now, even though I think he only has nine fingers. Don't don't quote me on that, but I've heard I haven't found a picture of it. But I'm pretty sure Davis Bertans only has nine fingers, and he's still able to shoot the lights out. So that's pretty crazy. But I don't really care about all the other teams. You know, fuck the other teams. I don't give a shit. All I care about are the Lakers. You know, I care about the Lakers because I really believe that this was our season, and it's going to be a lot tougher now. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo said it correctly. He's like, this season will have an asterisk next to it. Not because it's an easier season, but because this will probably be the most difficult season to win an NBA championship because you're asking these guys to play a season, 
take three months off and then restart it. It's basically like two seasons in one. You don't know how guys are going to react, if anyone's going to get hurt, or more importantly, if people are going to get you know sick. Um, so it's kind of I completely agree with Giannis in that part. It, this is going to be a very tough championship to win, but still. I still think the Lakers are going to get it done. I think it's going to be really tough. And I think that, you know, given a lot of things that have happened the last, uh, I guess, couple weeks, you know, in terms of personnel changes and stuff like that, it'll be difficult. But I still think they're going to get it done. And one of those personnel changes actually happens to be from the coaching staff of the Lakers. So I talked about it in my previous podcast episode, too, that uh, the Lakers assistant coach, Lionel Hollins, who is 65 years old, is considered more high risk to contract the coronavirus and get more sick from it than, you know, maybe somebody else would who's A, younger, or B, just in general, I guess, healthier. Not saying that Lionel Hollins isn't healthy, but he is of that that higher risk factor. So I believe it was stated uh, July 3rd, so uh, yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, because July 4th is today. And also, if you hear fireworks in the background, I apologize, but I'm filming or recording this at night. Uh, I just felt kind of inspired, and it might not be the best time to record, but, you know, we're going to roll with it. Everyone in this area is deciding to light off fireworks into the air, even though I live in Ranch Cucamonga, California, where fireworks are just illegal, completely illegal, but nobody gives a fuck. Nobody gives a shit. They're just doing it anyways. So, you know what? I'm just going to do this, and hopefully you guys don't hear the fireworks too much, so go ahead and please bear with me. Anyways, Lionel Hollins, yeah. Lionel Hollins won't be there for the Lakers when they go back, when they go to Orlando. He's not going to be there. And I actually think that's the Lakers' biggest loss going into this uh, this season restart. Lionel Hollins is a great coach. Lionel Hollins was a very successful coach in the NBA for years when he was coaching the Grizzlies, when they had Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph and Mike Conley, and he made them a great defensive team. They were a defensive juggernaut. So not having him on the bench next to Frank Vogel, telling Frank Vogel the defensive schemes that maybe they should be running at a certain time of the game is going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough to not have Lionel Hollins there. And I'm really curious which assistant coach is going to step up and fill that defensive void. Because I know Lionel Hollins is a very respected assistant coach. He's very respected in that locker room. He has everybody's ear. And he has, more importantly, he has LeBron's ear. LeBron was playing really good defense this year. And I think a lot of that is because Lionel Hollins was able to be like, hey, you're our best player. If you're out there playing hard on defense every single play, what do you think everybody else in the team is going to do? They're going to play hard defense. That's always the case. If you see that your star player is playing hard defense, playing hard on offense, hard on defense the whole game, you're not going to play weak on defense. You're just not going to. You're going to make him look bad. He can't do that. You can't make a star on your team look bad. So I think that Lionel Hollins has a lot to do with that just because he's making guys be accountable for stuff like that. So I think that's a huge loss. I don't think you're going to be able to uh, you know, make that any better than what it is. I heard that he's still going to be in contact with Frank Vogel before and after games, but not having him next to Frank Vogel on that bench is going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough. Now, the second loss for the Lakers that I think is really, it's, it's rough. It's definitely rough. I'm not super happy about it, but I understand is the loss of Avery Bradley. So Avery Bradley, he said last week, I believe it was last Friday. So like June uh, 29th, 28th, somewhere in there that he was opting out of the season. He wasn't going to come back for the season, and he cited because his uh, his child has asthma or some type of lung uh, disease or infection or something like that. So he did not want to get the disease and uh, you know get his kids sick or whatever. 
And, you know, I get it. It's okay. Um, it sucks from a fan perspective because Avery Bradley was a great player for us this year. Avery Bradley was one of our knockdown defenders. Not a knockdown defender. Knockdown, he's a, one of our lockdown defenders. And he was able to always guard the other team's point guard, you know, force him left, bring him into the, the center of the key, and have Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee swatted away. Avery Bradley is probably our best on-ball defender, uh, besides maybe LeBron, Danny Green, or Anthony Davis. But not having Avery Bradley is going to be a huge loss. You know, it really is. Guys are really going to have to step up. And, you know, looking at the Lakers roster, there are a few guys that can step up. Uh, I'm really high on the person who I think is going to step up the most, I think, and this is just because he's one of my favorite players in the Lakers, is Alex Caruso. Say what you want about Alex Caruso, the meme, okay? Alex Caruso is a great meme, right? He looks like a like a 45-year-old man because he's balding and, you know, he's just, he's just a normal-looking white dude with a goatee and a mustache. But Alex Caruso plays hard. Alex Caruso plays like his hair is on fire and like it's the last time he's ever going to play basketball. And that is infectious. When you have a player like that on the court that is playing that hard at all times, it really makes the other members on the team want to play hard. You're like, man, my dude's out there busting his ass. I better make sure I have his back. And that happens a lot of the time. I know what, during some games during the season, you'll see Alex Caruso, you know, get a steal, you know, throw it up court to LeBron or Anthony Davis, they'll get a dunk, and he really electrifies that crowd, even though the crowd isn't going to be a factor here in Orlando because there's no crowd. But he electrifies the team, too, and Alex Caruso gets a dunk, he electrifies the team. It's just his energy and the way he works is very, very infectious. He's not the best shooter, he's not the best passer, but he is just 125% effort 125% of the time. That kid just works really fucking hard. And I love his game. I love his game because he's one of the few people that's going to pressure you all 90 feet of the court. He's going to play up in your grill the whole time. And, you know, I, we need that. With, with Avery Bradley gone, Alex Caruso's got to fill that void. Another player I think is going to have to step up big, it's going to have to be Deion Waiters. Now, Deion Waiters, we haven't really seen a lot of him. In fact, we've seen none of him. Because I think he only played three or four games with the Heat this year because he got busted for smoking or, I guess, eating pot brownies. But we signed him, and then the season kind of ended. But Deion Waiters is going to be able to go in there, and I think he's going to play hard. I really do. This is kind of a Deion Waiters' like last chance type of deal. You know, it seems like a couple teams have already given up on him. He has bad attitudes on different teams. But, like, the Lakers have given him a chance to be like, hey, we know you're a really skilled offensive player. We know the things you can do. Now come here, play hard, and help us win. I think Deion Waiters is going to be locked in. And now, I, the player that I think can make a huge impact for us is the guy that we just signed uh, this week, J.R. Smith. Say what you want about J.R. Smith, but he's been in the league for 15 years straight out of high school. He is one of the best shooters in NBA playoffs history. He just is. It's by the numbers. I think he's top... I think he's top five in NBA three-pointers made in the finals. J.R. Smith at sometimes can take over a game just by the way he shoots his three-point shots. He has streaky, he, excuse me, he gets really, really streaky with a three-point shot. I think the only other current player in the NBA that gets more streaky with a three-point shot is Klay Thompson. But J.R. Smith, when he's in a rhythm, he can shoot you right into a game. However, <laughs> as we can have we seen, J.R. Smith can also shoot you out of a game. So it's kind of like... You know, which JR are you going to get that day? Are you going to get Henny God JR Smith, who's just going to fuck it all up and not play good? Or are you going to get JR Smith, who's locked in, who wants to play hard, who's playing good defense, who's playing for a team, and not the guy who doesn't know how many seconds are on the, uh, the, the clock to end the game? But I really think JR Smith can be a huge X factor for this team. I think that 
there are going to be games in the playoffs if he's playing, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. That's all we need from him. That's all we're really going to need for him to fill that Avery Bradley void. If he's playing 15 to 20 minutes and he hits like three to four threes in that time, he's making a huge impact. Those are just 15 to 20 minutes of a huge game. And if he's making, you know, 12 points just from threes, just hustle points, that's going to, that's huge. You know, he could literally come in for a couple minutes, shoot a whole bunch of shots, make them. And that could be, you know, the six to nine points that we need to win that game. I really think he's going to be a great X factor for us. And I think that the signing is, I think it's a good signing, even though J.R. Smith is, you know, he's very polarizing. I mean, the whole Lakers team, if you look at the Lakers team from top to bottom, it's polarizing. You know, you got a whole bunch of weird meme guys. You got you got Dwight Howard. You have Alex Caruso. You have Avery, uh, not Avery Bradley. You have Jared Dudley, Quinn Cook, Markeith Morris, you know, Deion Waiters, J.R. Smith. What a weird collection of dudes this is. You know, this is a really, really eclectic team of just a bunch of weird personalities, but I love it. You know, these are the type of teams that win championships is when you can put all those different personalities on one team and they have a common goal. Because they're all, they're all weird. You know, there's just a lot of weird guys on this team. But, like, I'm super into it. You know, there's a lot of things that are going on that I like about this team. And them getting this long break, LeBron getting this break, I think it's going to be nothing but positive things for them. That time again, it's time for another top 10 list. All right, so this top 10 is brought to you by no one. <laughs> I just, you know, we we could get a sponsor at some point, but for right now, it's brought to you by the fans. Brought to you by the fans. All right. So, in honor of J.R. Smith signing with the Lakers, I have compiled my favorite. This is my list. It's a biased list, and it is what it is because it's my list. That's just what it is. I have my top 10 Lakes factors of all time. Okay. And keep in mind, I became more of a Lakers fan when I was like seven, eight years old, you know, during 2000. So, everything is going to be from like, Basically 2,000 and up, so like basically the last 20 years are going to be those type of players. I won't have any players from the Showtime Lakers because I didn't watch those. You know, I didn't. I don't have an emotional attachment to any of those players. So here we go. Starting at number 10, super biased, Kyle Kuzma. So Kyle Kuzma has been super underwhelming this year. However, when Kyle Kuzma plays hard and he hits his shots and he's playing in his pocket, you know, he's driving to the lane, he's really good. And he when he plays that good, we win. So Kyle Kuzma is number 10. All right, number 9. I have one of my favorite Lakers of all time, probably the most bouncy Laker that we ever had, Shannon Brown. Shannon Brown, when he came to the Lakers, he was a midseason trade from Charlotte. He was included, or Adam Morrison was included with him when they traded him over. Uh, and Shannon Brown was kind of the throwaway, or the throw-in guy, I guess. But Shannon Brown, he comes, he came in, just crazy hops. He would dunk, electrify the crowd, electrify his teammates, played really good defense, and just super athletic. Shannon Brown, man, great X-factor. Uh, number eight. We're moving to an interesting one. We have Dwight Howard, but not D12. We have D39. Dwight Howard this season has been an incredible X factor. There have been so many times in the fourth quarter and late in games where Dwight is in there and he's playing amazing defense. He's getting every loose ball. He's playing physical. He's playing hard. There, Dwight Howard has single-handedly won maybe four to five games this year just from his defense, and it's it's phenomenal to watch. And it's honestly been a really good story as a Laker fan having him come back and actually give a shit for once. All right, number seven, probably my favorite Laker right now, just because I just I love this dude, Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso plays so goddamn hard. He if he had hair, he'd play with it on fire. That's just <laughs> I'm convinced that's just how Alex Caruso works. He plays super hard all the time. I feel like his teammates love him. He's super unselfish. Does all the dirty things. Alex Crusoe, number seven. All right, number six. Possibly the greatest big man that never was. And this is completely biased. 
Andrew Bynum. When Andrew Bynum was healthy and when Andrew Bynum was was mad and he was angry and he was playing hard, Andrew Bynum was the best center in the league before uh, before he was traded away. I'll say it. He was the best center in the league. He had the best low post moves. He had great defense. He was long, strong. He had a decent mid-range shot. And with him and Pau Gasol as the twin towers that we had during that two-championship run, he was phenomenal. Loved Andrew Bynum. All right, number five. Uh, My brother will hate this one, but this number five player has a really special place in my heart. Trevor Ariza. If it wasn't for Trevor Ariza in 2009 when he stole the ball out of inbounds play against the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals twice, we might not have gotten to that finals against the Orlando Magic. Trevor Ariza was a revelation when he came over to the Lakers in a midseason trade. He played so hard, knew what his role was, he slashed the basket, he was a good three-point shooter, and he was a lockdown defender. He gave Carmelo Anthony fits in that 2009 Western Conference Finals. I remember it. Sorry, Dylan, but... Trevor Reza, number five. All right, number four, Big Shot Bob. You can't have an X-Factor list for the Lakers and not include Robert Ory. Robert Ory was, you can consider him the guy who's always been at the right place at the right time. He won seven championships, you know, and he's not, he might not ever have been the fourth best player on his team, but he's won seven championships. It's just, he was just clutch. He's the definition of clutch. You wanted a big shot in the 2000, 2001, or 2002 playoffs, Robert Ory was going to hit it. It was as it was just certain. It was a certainty that Robert Ory, Robert Ory was going to get that shot up. All right, number three, Meta World Peace. Meta World Peace in the season that he won a championship in 2010 with the Lakers, he just played so well. He was a great compliment to Kobe Bryant, and he was probably I think the fourth option on that team, or no fifth, because it went Kobe, Powell, Andrew Bynum, Lamar Odom, and then it went Meta World Peace. But Meta knew what his role was. He played great defense. He annoyed the shit out of people. And he hit one of the most clutch threes in Lakers history when he hit that three in game seven. And then he was all excited after a postgame. He was like, oh, Kobe passed me the ball. Kobe passed me the ball. <laughs> all right. So number two, we have Derek Fisher. I can't include a list without Derek Fisher. Yeah, Derek Fisher is not the most skilled player of all time. But Derek Fisher was the Robin to Kobe's Batman. Kobe and Fisher won five titles together. My favorite backcourt of all time because they just they work so well together. Derek Fisher was never your prototypical point guard getting assists. What Derek Fisher was is he was tough. He would fight. He would take charges. He would get go after rebounds. And most importantly, Kobe trusted him. And if Kobe trusted him, I trust him because you know Kobe's. I don't know if I've said in the pot. Kobe's basically my Jesus Christ. So Kobe, bless Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher's okay in my book. And number one. The greatest, I think this is the greatest Lakers X Factor ever because this guy literally could do everything. He was, he would have flourished in today's game because of his versatility. Lamar Odom, Lamar Odom, the smooth lefty who could play all five positions, is the greatest X Factor in Lakers history. He just is. Lamar Odom was so silky smooth. He could handle the ball like a point guard. He posted up like a big. He was phenomenal to watch. When Lamar was on the Lakers, it was some of the most fun we'd ever seen. It was, you know, sometimes they would be running like Showtime. Lamar would have the ball like he was Magic Johnson running up and down the court, dumping it off to Kobe, Derek Fisher, and, you know, whoever else was in the game. Just like it was Showtime in the 80s. It was crazy. Lamar Odom was just, you know, he's one of the greatest players I think I've ever seen. Definitely one of the most underrated players I've ever seen. And I will stand by Lamar Odom to this day. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Top 10. Uh, Let's get back to the pod. Guys, welcome back. Uh, second half of the podcast, I want to start talking about the actual schedules because the schedules were released and each team knows exactly who they're playing in all eight of their games. 
And there are some issues I actually have with the schedule, and I'll start talking about that those more. But to start off, I want to let everyone I want to let everyone know that the standings as they currently sit, the Lakers are five and a half games against up against the Clippers, which I think is significant. I mean, we already know they're not going to play each other in the first round. They're most likely not going to play each other in the second round. But it seems like I don't know. It seems like the Clippers got a little bit easier of a schedule than the Lakers did, and you know I don't know. I'll let you be the judge of that. I'm obviously I'm biased, but I mean just looking at just sheer numbers and sheer competition, it looks like the Lakers got the the short end of the stick on this one. So, the Clippers play the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Suns, the Mavericks, the Blazers, the Nets, the Nuggets, and the Thunder. So, if you look at that right off the bat, you have the Pelicans, Suns, Mavericks, Blazers, and Nets. That's five of their eight teams aren't guaranteed spots in the playoffs yet. So, that's kind of, I don't know, I, I think that's kind of interesting. You know, more than half of their games against teams that aren't necessarily considered one of the best 16 teams in the league. So the Clippers got, I mean, they do have to play the Lakers. That'll be, that game's going to be overhyped. This is good. That's, that better not be a huge indicator that people are going to think. I'm already angry that the Lakers are playing the Clippers like that. Uh, I just I just know how people are going to view that. The Lakers lose, oh, you can't beat the Clippers. But if the Clippers win, actually, the same thing. But if the Clippers lose, people will be like, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter. So it's, you know, it's the media stirs up to, stirs up to be whatever it wants to be. So, so you heard the Clippers schedule. Now, here's the Lakers schedule. They play the Clippers, the Raptors, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Pacers, the Nuggets, and the Sacramento Kings. So, if you look at that, there is only one team that is not considered a playoff team. All of the other teams are for sure in the playoffs. And that one team, of course, being the last game against the Sacramento Kings. And we don't even know if the Lakers will play all their players in that one. I mean, I wouldn't. It's just the, it's the fucking Kings. You know, they don't need to play against the Kings. Kings aren't even going to make it. Kings shouldn't even be in this bubble. You know, they weren't. The Suns and the Kings shouldn't be in this bubble. Either should the Wizards. But that's a whole different story. But if you look at the schedule breakdown, the Lakers got some tough games. You know, the Clippers game is going to be tough. The Raptors game is going to be tough. The Raptors match up very well against the Lakers because they're big and they're strong and they're physical and they're quick. Uh, the Jazz, I'm not worried about. The Thunder, I'm not worried about. The Rockets are just annoying. So <laughs> anytime the Lakers and Rockets play, I just don't look forward to it just because I I can't stand Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Those two are the most annoying players in the NBA. Russell Westbrook, all he does is cry, and then James Harden, all he does is throw his beard up in the air and like gets every foul. It's annoying. Uh, the Pacers is a tough game because they play really well. The Nuggets is a tough game because, you know, Jokic is, well, he's lean now, so he might not play as well. Jokic lost like 40 pounds, but I don't know. It looks like the Clippers have a little bit easier of a schedule, but if I, but I'm, I'm not complaining too much because if I were the, the Memphis Grizzlies, I'd be even more pissed off, okay? As I've said before in the previous podcast, the Memphis Grizzlies are currently the eighth seed and they're four games up on the Pelicans, but man, does it look like the NBA wants the Pelicans to make it into the, that A spot. The Grizzlies have to play, in order, the Blazers, the Spurs, the Pelicans, the Jazz, Thunder, Raptors, Celtics, Bucks. Literally, the Grizzlies have to play the three best Eastern Conference teams to finish out their eight games. They only have, uh, they have the Blazers, Pelicans, Spurs, three. They have three teams that are not playoff teams that they have to play currently. That is ridiculous. That is tough. I think that, I haven't ran the numbers for it myself, but the way it looks just Based off of, you know, just purely just like first glance, it looks like the Grizzlies have the toughest schedule once all the teams go to Orlando. Now, if you look at the schedule for the Pelicans, the Pelicans play in this order. 
Utah Jazz, Clippers, Grizzlies, Kings, Wizards, Spurs, Kings, Magic. That's the Pelican schedule. So if you count it out, you have one. You have the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Wizards, the Spurs, Kings, and the Magic. They play six of their eight games against teams that are not guaranteed playoff berths. What the hell, NBA? If you're trying to get Zion Williamson into the playoffs secretly, you are not doing a good job. That is so... If I'm the Memphis ownership, or if I'm the Memphis players, or if I'm the Memphis coach, I'm pissed. You literally fucked us. Look, the schedule is... is I don't even know how this was able to, to go... Pelicans don't play the Jazz. or the, Excuse me. They don't play the Lakers. They don't play the Bucks. They don't play the Celtics. They don't play the Sixers, the Rockets. They have the easiest, the hardest game that they play is against the Clippers. The second hardest they play is against the Jazz. And the third hardest they play is the Grizzlies, who are already fighting for a position. I don't understand how this is fair. I, This Zion hype is just out of control. This kid's playing 19 games. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Yeah, he's a physical specimen, and it's stupid how athletic he is. But so is John Morant. John Morant actually might be more exciting to watch than, uh, than Zion Williamson. John Morant is... Six foot two, he's like 165 pounds and he flies. He has so much bounce, it's ridiculous. And he's a fun player to watch, super quick. And he kind of plays like Russell Westbrook. He's got like, you know, with his hair on fire and everything, running a million miles per hour. But the NBA is so blatantly trying to help the Pelicans get in. It's it's like absurd. It's like ever since Anthony Davis decided he didn't want to be on the Pelicans anymore, the NBA has tried to make sure that the Pelicans are fucking relevant. I don't understand how they're getting away with this and how a lot more people aren't outraged by this. I just, I, I don't know. I just, in terms of fairness, I just don't think it's fair. I think if you're trying to make it fair, I think the teams that are you know trying to fight for playoff spots because it's not a full season, you should have very similar amount of competition for your games. But that's just my opinion. Uh, you know, Moving forward on this, I want to talk about what I think the Lakers are going to do in this playoff. So, by the looks of how the schedule's looking out, it looks like the Lakers are probably going to play the Pelicans in that first round. So, it looks like the Lakers are going to be gifted the Pelicans on a silver platter because the NBA wants Zion and Brandon Ingram and Lonzo and Josh Hart against, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I mean, it'll be okay. The Lakers will win in four, so I'm not really too worried about that. Um, it'll be fun to watch, but it'll be interesting to see how those young guys play in the playoffs. They've never seen LeBron in the playoffs or Anthony Davis in the playoffs. And there's there after watching the Pelicans and Lakers play a few times this year, there is no one on that team that can stop Anthony Davis. So then the next matchup would be uh, it'd be the four versus the five. It'd be the four of the five with the Lakers to play in the second round. And that'll probably wind up being like either the Jazz or the Thunder. And I'm not worried about either one of those teams either. Uh, the Thunder we beat pretty handily when Kuzma had like, I think like near 40 points and LeBron James and Anthony Davidson playing that game. Uh, we played that We played, that was a game that was like, uh, it was marked, uh, marked by Alex Caruso and Kuzma just playing really hard. And Dwight Howard is playing really hard in that one too. So I'm not worried about either one of those teams. And then in the Western Conference Finals, it's probably going to be the Clippers. Um, I don't really see the Rockets giving the Clippers any fits. I don't see any of the other teams really giving them a hard time. So it's probably going to be Lakers and Clippers. And I got the Lakers in, I'd say I'd say six games. Um, I just don't think that Paul George is a good playoff player. He showed us many times that he's just weak. He's a horrible defender in the playoffs. He can't shoot in the playoffs. Kawhi's a different story though. Kawhi's an animal. I mean, Kawhi's already proved himself time and time again. Two times finals MVP. You know, he's stopped two different dynasties. He won a championship with all teams Toronto last year. You know, granted that, you know, 
the Warriors weren't at full strength, but still, you know, he beat a really good team on that Raptors team. So Kawhi's, Kawhi's tough shit. But the problem that with that Clippers Lakers series is Anthony Davis. Who in the hell is going to stop Anthony Davis? You tell me Montrez Harrell is going to try to stop Anthony Davis or Ivica Zubats? You think that's going to happen? No, it's not going to happen. And that's why I'm I'm really hoping Dwight Howard plays too because Dwight Howard will give those guys fits inside too. And who's going? I mean, LeBron can play whoever he wants. Are they going to put Patrick Beverly on LeBron the whole time? No, I don't think so. Then as far as the finals go, it's kind of up in the air. Um, I don't think the Bucks are going to get there this year. I just I don't. They've been kind of, you know, they've been poised to get there, and everyone's kind of picking them to get there. But I don't think they're going to get there. I honestly 100% believe that the Celtics are going to get there. I think the Celtics are going to make it to the finals, and I think it's because Jason Tatum is legit. I wasn't a believer early on, but after watching that kid play, that kid reminds me of, you know, it, it sucks saying it because, but man, he reminds me of Kobe. There are some moves that he does in the mid-range and the mid-post that I'm like, man, that kid's footwork is phenomenal. I think he's only like 22 years old, but he has such a well-crafted game, and then everyone else around him, they got Kemba Walker, Great scorer, unselfish, have a reliability on defense. The one thing that would hurt the Celtics is their lack of size. They don't have a lot of tall guys anymore since Al Horford went to the Philadelphia 76ers. But I still think the Celtics will get there. And I think it'll be Lakers-Celtics, but I think the Lakers will win in five games. I don't think the Celtics have enough firepower to beat the Lakers, but I do think they have enough firepower to get out of the East. So the Lakers, I think, will win their 17 championship this year and tie the Celtics for the most in NBA history. Uh, you know, with all that said, I wonder how people are going to view this championship. I said it earlier. I think this is going to be one of the hardest, if not the hardest championship an NBA team has ever won. There's so many variabilities here. There's so much going on. It's a different location. I just, I don't know. If, but if the Lakers win this thing, I'll be glad. It's been a really, really tough 10 years being a Lakers fan. Ever since we won our title in 2010, just millions of things have gone wrong. Obviously, Kobe tore his Achilles. We had a horrible team. You know, just millions of things have gone wrong. And I, I probably sound like I'm complaining, you know, given that the Lakers have won five championships since I've been alive. I just want more. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm a selfish Lakers fan. I don't give a shit. I'm selfish. I want my Lakers to win more championships. It makes me happy. You know, all my teams have had a really rough go the last 10 years. The Angels, the Buccaneers, and the Lakers. But I think the Lakers can can do it this year. And if not, I you know, I got confidence they can do it next year too. I'm just, I'm not afraid of anybody. There's, there are, there's no one in this NBA right now that can match up with Anthony Davis and what he does. He plays like a center, and he plays like a point guard at the same goddamn time. It's phenomenal to watch. That guy is amazing. That ends another episode of CamCast. That was episode four, the Lakers restart and what I think. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please like, subscribe, share the podcast. Please help me get this out there. My reach is only so far. If you really like what I'm talking about here, if you want to hear a lot more, if you want people to, to hear a lot more, if you want to get in on the conversations, join in. Follow at, at my Instagram, cam.cast. It's K-A-M dot K-A-S-T. And again, please share. And I want to thank everyone once again. Uh, I'm really enjoying this so far. And I hope where you are too. All right, peace. Peace.